well, we're one week in and here we are, season three, episode two of LOI Weekly. Um, what the first weekend of action we had plenty to talk about with myself, Johnny Ward and Daniel McDonald. And we've two special guests who will be here very shortly uh, talking about their old days actually at Belvo and also the first division campaign and what life might be like at Shamrock Rovers this season. We'll tell you about those very shortly. We're going to have Tommy Barrett audio as well from the League of Ireland launch from last week. And I spoke to Ian Birmingham after the St. Patrick's Cork game on Friday. As ever, we're on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. On Twitter, we're at LOI Weekly. And we are, as ever, in association with Air Sport and Independent.ie. And Daniel McDonald, we've something to talk about. We've uh, first round of games to get through. We always have something to talk about, John. We've a lot to talk about. We've a lot more to talk about. And we're going to try and condense it into like... About an hour. A tidy week one wrap. Yeah. Week one wrap. You know the final furlong racing podcast? People are very critical because it goes on for like an hour and 50 minutes at times. It takes yeah. two hours. Or you're we, like, we were we're not going to do that. We were long enough last week. We were. No, that I was mean, our we, first show. We had season. so much to talk about. And then we were just, we were just like interrupting and you all know, over the tangents shop. and we needed like, the run Paul Keegan was talking about like tactical and you were like what, what about Astro pitches and then all of a sudden we went off on a sort of a, a five minute sort of thing about Astros and we ended up I don't know like it was a, it was longer than a match it I think, was the longer end of than it. a match um, we had five matches last week needed and, the run uh, though. I like that I like that did yeah. need the run but uh, what was it like to be back on the beat anyway that was good yeah the, the structure of Friday night it's good crowds last Friday night great I mean, crowds I great thought. crowds now I, I never get too carried away with those opening week crowds but at the same time there was definitely a noticeable buzz I don't know what it is there seems to be like sometimes on social media and all that it's a bit of an echo chamber because you, you follow a lot of people that are in the League of Ireland anyway so that, that can be completely misleading but there did seem to be a bit more curiosity maybe from outside maybe it was just there was maybe there was no, like there was no Six Nations there was no FA Cup or sorry it was no Premier League so it was an FA Cup weekend or or, or is it just recent debates about the state of the league and, and how important it might be or for the, the future without, and, without a game yeah and, and I there like I, I think sometimes people go out, almost go overboard and say, "Well, this is a sign of health." No, to me, the crowds last week is a sign of potential, um, and the the overriding point for me when we talk about the long break is that well, these crowds are good. Um, you know, does this can these can this give us the incentive and the self belief in all clubs to go? Well, why don't we go an extra week longer next year? Why don't we do a contract week longer next year? Give us one more week of Friday games rather than one one fewer midweek game, so we can maybe start a bit earlier or finish a bit later or whatever it is. Because the the crammed fixture list that comes up soon isn't just the FAI's. In fact, it's not really the FAI's fault that you could. I don't like the way they've structured it, but they're ultimately responding to clubs, certain clubs who don't want the season to be any longer. So um, if you have uh, crowds like last week, uh, I think it makes it easier, rather than some of those corresponding fixtures later in the season on a Monday night could have deterred the crowd there. Definitely, you know, yeah. So that's something that we need to If you were to play the, the propaganda department card, you'd say Cork City weren't even playing at home and we still got very good crowds. But then you say UCD were away. Yeah, they'll square, but they'll I, square I suppose, it, yeah. just uh, without getting ahead of ourselves, if you go to these five games particularly Inchy Core Oriel and Oriel and, and D- Daily Mount you know if you're a first timer going to these games the facilities are pretty damn shoddy um, so it's like you know will I come back I mean I was sitting in the seats in Richmond Park absolutely cramped like couldn't move your legs in it yeah. if you go along to Oriel Park that's your first visit you're not going to be too impressed by the facilities and I have to say that in terms of the actual football 
it wasn't great. Now your the game you were at uh, Dundalk and Sligo was was wasn't a great game, but the game <laughs> I was at Cork and Pats was very little football played, and I was kind of giving out a bit about this. I wouldn't get a, I wouldn't get too down about it. it was first game of the season, but in terms of my experience of watching Pats and Mick McCarthy was at the game, it was a disjointed yeah, game. Yeah, but you know you can be a bit sensitive sometimes, a bit apologetic. Like I mean, there's bad games in every league, and I, I, to be honest, I, Dundalk Sligo wasn't a classic by any means. I don't think they watered the pitch before, which was a bit of an issue. Why would be, that happen? I don't know. I don't know, and it seems to be particularly, particularly bouncy. I want to bring um, up another thing, which is John Gill before the game was interviewed, and I didn't actually watch it back, but Alan Cawley spoke about it afterwards that it was like he was asked, "So who's picking the team, or who's doing this or that?" And there seemed to be a bit of confusion. Well, is there still a bit of a, an issue? I know it was Vinny's pick, Vinny Parrish picking the team. I mean, there's no confusion about that. Maybe they feel funny when they're placed under questioning about it because you know I don't know. It's the type of question that would throw someone maybe, but I mean, there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, I'm sure there probably is a group discussion on picking the team, you know, in a management group. But I mean, it is Vinny Parrish's team. You know, I mean, I think that's that's clear. You know, that's clear if you watch the sideline, but. Um, of course, you know you you start off with a bad result. You leave yourself open to every everything being scrutinised. So I mean, I don't know where we start in terms of running through the games. I mean, we start there. I suppose we start there. Yeah, Sligo. It was a bit of a smash and grab. Uh, Gary Rogers wouldn't be happy with the goal. No, and I suppose nine times out of ten, the Doc would have won that game in terms of chances, in terms of everything that happened. I mean, really unfortunate with Benson and the injury. The maybe not as serious as first feared, but he's still going to be out for you know up until the. Maybe before the mid-season break, and it, that's not at all as bad as it. Like I was no, talking to him yesterday, and what seemed to be a season-long injury, without it, I don't think it's actually been fully clarified yet. It might not be as bad. No, but it's still. I mean, up to the break is still potentially two-thirds of the league season. So mm. you know, it's still it's still a massive blow. McElhenney as well, maybe a shorter period, but still a period of time. What about the Sligo tackling? Uh, I, I know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be getting. I, it was physical, and they were robust. Um, I mean, sometimes I think that on that pitch it's a bit harder. I think what the broader thing goes to show is that you can talk about pre-season all you want, and you can you can sit here and think what well, the Dockers' certainties and and you know you, you you can you can analyze things on paper and stuff, but then you get into matches for points and stuff happens that you can't legislate for, and all of a sudden the Benson Mackle anything now throws things up in the air a small bit. But um, the, the, the Dock really should have won the game. Sean I don't think, Murray was I don't, impressive. I, Murray did well. I don't think it's crisis mode by any stretch. I mean, the Dock sh- should have won the game. Game. They didn't. It's the opening game of the season, um, but at the same time, like they still need to go to Harps on Friday and just win. Um, they lost the Leinster Senior Cup game on Monday with a reserve team. Now I think the Leinster Senior Cup should be under twenty one competition, under twenty twos. I, I hate people even talk about it seriously. It's a nonsense. It's got a bit of a cult thing going on, which I actually think is like. Ah do one like you know uh, there's actually an issue but there is an issue with uh, games for lads under the, un, over the age of 19 and I think yeah, the cup, there shouldn't be I don't think there should be first teamers playing in that competition fairness, but anyway that's, to, a, that's an we'll aside we get to the, the Pats game after a little bit but um, I, after, when I did speak to him in Birmingham he was just saying the chance to get these players out even, all beating the Leinster Senior Cup the Pats have a player nearly for every position no it's now. true there is um, a value for, for players Watford Rovers though was probably almost a big talking point away I thought if Rovers needed to win the needed to start well if they were to have any chance in the league in my view and this was a real bonus two points out of nothing a scruffy corner Ethan Boyle and or uh, their new Austrian striker well they're, they're the desperate base. to give him the goal that was a bit, a bit of an odd one yeah. he had another miss just before that unfortunately like what I've seen of him so far between a friendly and last week is like missing close range chances so maybe a bit of a confidence boost to get him going but I mean I did watch the celebrations back to see was there any real trace of reaction 
of a goal scorer from him, and I just didn't really see it, you know. But it reminds me of the first time I met you, Go United draw it, and Jason Cavey scored yes. a goal that nobody claimed except him, and I don't even think it was his goal. Um, but it was just one of these scruffy, scruffy wins in front that, of nearly that the, the winter in '99. John was, was it, it that long ago? Around that time, I'd say yeah. over four thousand. The follow up to Brian Adams' summer of '69, oh, the winter geez, of '99, yeah. United um, Park and draw but Rovers sold out their allocation. Uh, brilliant goal by Kevin Lynch to put uh, Watford one 0 up. I didn't think Alan Manis was actually great for the goal. E- no, no. Either. Well, you know. So, uh, the, and a broader point we'll make it: a lot of the goalies in this league, the very good goalkeepers, are getting on. Um, but Brendan Clark, who's I think thirty three, made an incredible save as well in the yeah. Pats game. So we had a good start for for Derry at home to UCD. I was a bit surprised by the sort of the emphatic nature. We'll, we'll talk about Rovers. UCD were in shambles at the back, um, I thought, in, yeah. in the highlights anyway. And I suppose from Derry's point of view, I mean, Parkhouse scoring. but The, the boy Stokes playing well. Yeah, but it was interesting. Kieran Harkin is the interesting one as well. I mean, again, you're only going off the clips, um, but I heard Collie O'Neill spoke about him afterwards. Kieran Harkin, they've signed from Col Rain. He was wearing the number four shirt and uh, he did well by all accounts. So there's some new players from Derry that I think we'll get to know this season. Over uh, 3,000 in, sorry, nearly 3,000 in daily mounts. And yeah. if ever there were a Dinny Corcoran finish, I thought that finish was just a nice, classic Dinny Corcoran. A nice team of. Well, Dinny was slow off the mark last season. He actually got a lot of his goals in the latter half of last year. So, I mean, both sort of need him firing from the start because he's like himself and Keith Ward. There's a couple of reliable faces there mixed in with a lot of their newer boys. And, I mean, Danny Mandreo seemed to get some good reviews. Word that Regbeck could be coming back. Wade, Sl- Wade Slater um, was playing. So, yeah, we'll see what will happen with, with these equations. And Ali Horgan said they actually were the better team in the first half. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? Yeah, this could be a new season, new Ollie. Crazy know? stuff. Who knows? Um, and uh, I was in Inchicore uh, for the Pats Cork game. I think that's our last game of the yeah. of the brief roundup. Um, Daryl O'Connor, you spoke about in preseason. I thought he was really, really good. Described as the Irish Messi by, by Pat Dolan. Well, Pat Dolan was sitting You in were in the director's me. box. With yeah, the, with I, the I, I, I turned up a little bit sloppy now. It was a little bit late. I witnessed the crowd trouble beforehand as a consequence of maybe being late, but uh, very, very unsavoury scenes outside of McDowell's, which... Kind of spilled over after the game, and that the Cork team bus was attacked, and I think the windows were damaged. Um, so it was it wasn't wasn't nice to see. I don't really know the ins and outs of what happened. I, I could only speak. You'll only get in. You'll, you'll wrap yourself in knots going that way. Yeah, but um, obviously, I do remember a girl crying outside McDowell's, and it was very unsavoury to see it because it was a nasty situation. There was a rush of people coming out mm. of the pub who clearly these were grown men who were running like, um, and I'd never seen that in the League of Ireland before. I think there's basically no crowd trouble in the League of Ireland. We're talking about. I think we we big it up. You know, Rovers bows. But it does happens. show how sometimes there's a. I I think sometimes the image of all the guards at games is it's not a help. Is not helpful. Mm. However, when something like this happens, when there's a bigger crowd than expected, it goes to show that they probably have to be seen to take every precaution if mm. this happens. So it's actually a, a difficult one. We will have Bowes Rovers next Monday. If it's like last season. You know, well, it was more so in in, in Tala, but you know, you have got you know guards behind lads taking the throw, you know, which looks absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, know? but observing the throw, like just to see if he just fouls see, it. just see what's going on. But, uh, th- this was an interesting game; it was disjointed, but uh, you really got the sense from Pats they were going to leave everything on the pitch here. They were very, mm. very physical. At three times. five two uh, played three five two. Um, I I'm not sure if they planned to play three five two. Did they change kind of tack midweek because of a couple, one or two players who were out? Cork, on the other hand, um, they did really deserve to lose the game they had good enough chances but didn't put much passing together and um, you could just sense talking to Ian Birmingham after the game that uh, you know they were really really up for this and there was a big to be sense clear though to be clear you didn't talk to Ian Birmingham after the game I did 
talked to him after the game, albeit the following day. The following day. So what happened here, dear listener, was that I was guilt-tripped into... Um, no, you went home. You went to the pub after the game because you were in the director's box with, with like, Caban and Frank Gavin. Why do you keep Michael bringing this Cody, up? A very good Michael view. Hayes. You were, like, you were in the director's box with the great and the good. I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm just saying, I, I, listen, I mean, we're a podcast of the people here and you go into the director's box in the um, game. Thanks, thanks very much to Jamie Moore, by the way, for getting me um, a cup of tea at halftime, which was badly needed. Right. Um, and um, Mick McCarthy was there. He didn't see a good game. Yeah, now. but you, you basically headed off after the game. And yeah. You just did so basically, I should have gotten some audio after the game, but I genuinely completely forgot. It wasn't that I decided right. not to. Um, but I was so felt so guilty about it that I messaged Ian Birmingham on Saturday. Now, Ian Birmingham, um, I got to know him through horses because he owns part of Cubomania. Oh, yeah. He could run a Cheltenham. Good horse. And he's yeah. having an unbelievable buzz out of that. But... Um, he couldn't take the smile off his face because they'd beaten Cork City, they started the league well and and speaking to him in this interview, I couldn't help but feel his admiration for their new manager, Harry Kenny. Uh, Ian, that's a great start to the season for you. You know, you don't regularly beat Cork and to do it in that gritty style must have been very uh, encouraging for you. Yeah, listen, Mark, we're thrilled with the win. I think uh, it, we could have played better with the ball but I think... Um, we outbattled them. I think we outworked them, and I think it's a it's a different side. Was that probably people haven't seen over the last number of years? And listen, we're thrilled with the win, and uh, we, hopefully we can kick on now. Because it's funny, it wasn't a great game of of all the Pats games we've been at the last few years. I think this was one of the poorest in terms of actual quality. But I I don't think you give a damn. No, listen, we don't care. I think the first game of the season, you just want to get up and run and get three points on the board. Uh, as I said, there was no. There's no quality in the game really. Um, a couple of passes of play here or there, but uh, now I think, uh, as I said, we outbattled them. I think we outworked them. And listen, it's no mean feat to do that against Cork. I think they based our based our game on that sort of stuff. And um, I think uh, I think that's the benchmark for us now. If we, if we can keep to that standard, kind of walk right through the season, and obviously we will get better with the ball. I think we've got some quality, serious football players, and we will get better. That's the thing because that quality wasn't really there last night. Do you know what Chris Forrester that you know he give him a few games and he'd improve? Yeah, listen, he. he He's come back. He hasn't played in a long time, and he he needs to get to kind of get up and running. He's uh, he's obviously needs to get working his fitness and stuff like that. But that'll come in the next couple of games. We're, play, we're playing games. We have a game now Monday against Wexford. I'm sure he'll play a part in that as well. And listen, he'll be up and running and flying and out. And like the rest was, I think the fitness was there. I think in 90th minute last night, you could see lads uh, forcing the goal to get to close them down and, and and putting their bodies on the line. And I think it's 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 testament to the to the coach and staff and the manager that the work they've put in with us in pre-season. Just in general as well, I remember at the end of the game, Gary Shaw went and kind of chased the ball. There was a big roar from the crowd. There was three and a half thousand there. It really felt like the old days in Inchicore. Oh, um, we said that come in after the game. It's probably the, the the biggest crowd that obviously we played Newcastle last year. They all come out for them, them sort of games. But uh, I think it was it's the biggest crowd we've had in a long time, probably since when we were winning the leagues and the cups and all that so over the last couple of years but listen we won last night which was the main thing and hopefully that can entice them back down I think there's a bit of a buzz around the place and listen it'd be great to see them down there all the time as I said it, they're great when they're, when they're roaring and get roaring on the victories and listen hope they can come back down What's this management team like um, in general and Harry Kenny obviously particularly Listen, he's come in. He's been a breath of fresh air, and I, I keep saying the same things. And um, he's he's really demanding in training. And um, listen, if you're not on it in training, he lets you know kind of thing. And, um, there's a bit of fear in the players, which is a good thing, kind of. Um, and listen, like Jared and Sean are there doing the coaching, and I think listen, the players are bought into everything that they're doing. Mark Keneally and, and Lee Van Heften doing the strength and conditioning. Everybody's bought into. There's no moan, and everybody's just getting on with their job. I think it's, it's probably one of the best group of players of as well have been involved in the over the last while. Um, probably going back to nearly when P. Mam was the manager, we had a great group down. But listen, it's it's 
everything's positive at the minute, isn't it? Um, we'll only be tested when we come to lose the game or something like that. But uh, no, listen, it's a good start for us uh, and hopefully we can kick on now. Two positives, I suppose, from where they've come from in different ways. Mikey Drennan and Conor Clifford, who got man the match. Yeah, listen, Mikey's been brilliant in pre-season. And to be honest with you, it could have been, it was a flip of a coin, I'd say. Well, for Hardy's decision between him and Gary Shaw, they would have been flying in pre-season. Like everybody has. And, um, what we were saying to the lads during the week and we probably only kind of got a, a, the gist of what, how hard he was going to play probably at the start of this week because obviously he's worked in shape and that, but before that we, it could have been anybody playing because everybody's been kind of levelled at kind of the same standard and, um, and, it, and it's just a great bit of competition but uh, Conor Clifford was, I think he was everywhere last night he was just uh, he was brilliant and like I think he epitomises the work rate and the, the whole team like the way he played and Mikey as I said he gets a chance he will score like, so listen it's, it's all positive at the minute and you need to kick on now again What about that save from Brendan Clark as well from Gary Buckley because you know Gordon Banks died obviously during the week but that was what came to my mind it was, I couldn't see how he could save it and he did somehow Yeah listen I, when he saved it and uh, Obviously, when I was playing, I kind of geez, that's a good save. But I've just seen it like back again, and it's it's unbelievable like how we got down and, and clawed it away. Like, but uh, no, we're gonna we're gonna need him. We're gonna need things like that to happen. Like Clarkie to bail us out. We're gonna need Mikey to bail us out going to goals as well. Like so, listen, it's it's as I said, it, it's a great start for us, and um, all the lads are buzzing. So, final question, without getting ahead of yourselves, how far can you go this season, and what's your actual ambition? Listen, we've as I said to people before. Where we've been the last couple of years, we like we've no divine right to say that we're going to go and challenge or anything like that. Um, listen, our main aim is Europe. We want to play. We want to finish as high as we can. But our main aim is Europe. And listen, if we're in a position three quarters way through the season, why not have a crack? I mean, listen, I'm not going to say we're going to win the league or we're going to be up there challenging Dundalk. Or but we've got to get Europe, and that's I think that's that's the. That's the main aim for us. But listen, if we're, if we're in and around there, we'll not have a crack at them. you got to love the dog barking in the background. There was actually a, a So where did you actually do that? Where in, did, in Smithfield. Where did you actually follow him? Did I you follow him to from, his house? I cycled home from our new, sock, uh, our new sock thing on Saturday and just cycled up to Smithfield, ran into the, the fresh shop there to get dinner yeah. and uh, came out and there was a woman begging, which was you know, obviously... Sorry, sorry, love, whatever. Then start the interview, and she came over begging again. So I started again. Then there was a dog barking, which you can hear as well. Just like we just have to get through this at this stage, because I was still letting on it was actually outside the ground after the game. But you obviously blew my cover. But well, he did because he said the game against Cork last night. Did he say interview. that? Yeah, he did. So he said that he yeah. said that once, and we we started again. I didn't notice him saying the second time. Anyway. but in any event, um, this is you can just feel what he was saying about like the Liam Buckley era kind of into the Harry Kenny area that there is a bit of a difference in terms of their yeah. mentality. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, but also when a, when a player is interviewed about a new manager at the start of a time, he's always going to have to be positive about it anyway. But like, I mean, I'd, but I, at the same time, he you, does like you him, can feel definitely. that it's very genuine, you know, but I mean, it's a difficult one. When you're asked about a new manager coming in as a player, you have to sort of extol the virtues of J- it. You know? We've got two players here now who can... Who can Jake Hyland, I, I know you like a bet, right? If you'd laid St. Pat's <laughs> at 50-1 to one to win the league, would you be a little bit worried? A uh, little bit. I don't think they'll win the league now. Top no. three. 50-1 to one, though? No. Yeah. Good value loser. Possibly, right. yeah. Do you uh, want to introduce our guest, John? Or just that's Jake Hyland. <laughs> yeah, draw the captain. And Sean Cavanagh, uh, former Belvedere teammate and Shamrock Rovers left-back extraordinaire. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's probably a bit too far, but yeah. Sean, how did you end up playing left back? Trevor Clark injury? Yeah, Trevor got injured. Um, and then I think Luke got injured as well. And I don't know, maybe I was the only one that could play left left back and the only left foot player, so he stuck me there. And 
You've also played championship football at left back. Should be a small bit modest here in terms of your left back pedigree, John. To be fair, you are aware of like Sean's career before against Shamrock Rovers, no? Dan, you have it written down here. Sean Cavanagh's story from last year. He's had a he's had an interesting career so far. Yeah, well, let's more so go back to this because the two boys here are former Belvedere teammates. Now we went through the archives last night to the Danone Nations Cup 2006. But Jason Byrne is an official ambassador. We have the row of Belva players. We did tweet it out, everyone, so you can look at the picture. And there's a pretty talented team. It must be said, you've got Daryl Lenehan in the back row. Uh, and then we have like three lads together. We've got Danny Rogers in the middle, the goalkeeper, either side of Jake Hyland and Sean Cavanagh. Now, we put up the team photo. What I would say is that there's a, uh, there's a collection of other photographs. Sean's, not, Sean's just tackling. He's in action. But there's this heartbreaking shot of a young lad after missing a penalty looking distraught, Jake. What happened? Uh, that's me confidence shot for this season already. <laughs> so, like, what, what, who were you playing? What was the, the circumstances? Uh, we were, I think it was under 10s or 11s we were playing in the, the No Nations Cup. We got to the final playing uh, in Clonmel Town. And we went to penalties. And I didn't want to take the penalties, the last one. Was it at all, like, you know, put your hands up? Yeah, in the no one else put their hands up. Did you up take like, one, Sean? No? Um, I can't remember. Can't I don't remember. know, I think I probably would have. Yeah. I'd, I'd sort of back myself to take a penalty, yeah. So You wouldn't, though, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> there was, look, we were young, and uh, I was the fifth one to go, and no, there was other lads crying over it. And I said, right, I went up and take it and hit the crossbar. What age are you? Uh, 10 or 11. Oh, was that, you were that young? If you yeah. won the tournament, though, you get to go to play in, for Ireland in France. It was oh in no. Lyon Stadium, Yeah, it? it was in the... Oh, yeah. no. I didn't realise that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks That's for heartbreaking. <laughs> Sean, did you speak to him for long, as no, a it's team? it's been a couple of years. I had to, had to let that one go. Because, you're, Jake, you're a year older, right? So you, I'm a year younger. You're younger, sorry. Yeah. So you played together for a couple of years, but then you, you ended up at separate teams yeah, at a certain yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was a pretty talented group that you had. Like, it's yeah, sort of Dara and Danny Rogers and a few others, you know? So Yeah, very good team, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Good team. And then, obviously, Jake was the year younger, so he was really good at his age. And, came up and played at us as well so yeah he was he was good at that age where did you just go from there then where did you go Sean uh, I stayed at Belva until I was 17 and then obviously moved moved away from there so tell us about your your move and your career in England um, yeah I stayed at Belva until I was about 17 um, were you expecting that you get a move away not really no to be honest I was in fifth year at the time and I was thinking about um, leaving and doing the fast course and then Playing League of Ireland or? Um, I actually met a couple of uh, managers and I was I trained with UCD a couple of times. So Which I w- would have been under, um, would have been Collie, was it? No, it was Martin Russell. Martin Russell. Yeah. Um, so I trained with them a couple of times and the move was sort of up in the air at the minute and then went over on trial to Fulham um, for a couple of weeks and then I had I was had planned to go to Middlesbrough as well on trial. So I went there for a couple of weeks as well and then yeah, I must have done better at Fulham, so they offered me a deal. So at 17, I was I bit the hand off and took it and went. It all happened quickly, though, as well. That, you know, you went to Fulham, and then what, by 19, you, you played first-team football, am I right? Um, or were you a bit younger? Even no, I, was, I think I was 20 when I made 20, was it? Sorry, yeah. 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 But then you, you got to run on the side, because, I mean, Fulham was changing manager, and there was a lot yeah. of instability around that time, but then you, you just got your break. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was sort of sprung on me. I was... Um, I missed the season before, actually, before I got relegated from the Premier League. I missed the season through injury and then came back in pre-season and I found myself with the fourth team. I was like, I was expecting not to be nowhere near it. And then um, second game of the season, I actually made my debut. And I was like, yeah, it happened really quick. I wasn't expecting to be near it at all. And How did you find the level? 
Yeah, it was tough, really tough. I actually made my debut against Wolves at home and Matt Doherty was playing. Right. Um, Were you playing left back or left wing then? Uh, I was playing left back. Mm. Yeah, we got beat 1-0, but I found the, the le- I found the level was like miles apart from what I've played at. Sort of, uh, I would have played under 21 football and going into a fourth team was just miles, miles apart. Was that Felix McGath who played you yeah. first? Yeah. So yeah, he was, because I remember reading stuff about him at the time. He had a, a reputation for being slightly eccentric for working players hard or what was his? Yeah, he was, what was his? Obviously for me, he was unbelievable. He gave me my debut, but he, he did work the lads hard. Like there was a couple of games where we got to, would have been toward a fourth game of the season. We played away on the Saturday and we got beat and he was known for like, if you get beat, you're in on the Sunday, which is, sort of a recovery day so mm. we got beat on the Saturday I think 4 or 5 one, and we came in on the Sunday morning and we did like a 10k run around the training yeah. ground so he's he was strict on the lads yeah. <laughs> is that, it was that kind of caveman stuff though yeah it's like it's all the stuff it's sort of mm. nowadays it's sort of dinosaur stuff isn't it? but I, I could only be uh, glad to him like he gave me my debut and stuff but yeah, it was tough at the time. It's funny though, I, I think of you as a left winger, maybe that's because when I started watching your rovers, um, you went back left back then and uh, you know, you're 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 very, very good in the ball, but I would always have thought of you as more of an an, an offensive player. But where do you see yourself? Um I get asked that question a lot. Like even um before pre season, I met a couple of lads who were in the league, they were asking where you're gonna play and stuff. I I don't know, I actually find myself better at coming onto the game from left back. Um as a left side midfielder, I don't think I've. You're more actually, isolated, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if I could be people 1v1 and stuff like that. I'd rather use the ball and stuff like that. But left, actually, left of a five might be your best position. Yeah. We played there a couple of times. Played that uh, formation last year a couple of times. And I played wing back in Europe and stuff. And we done all right. Like So, yeah, I think probably that'd be my best, best position. So, I mean, Sean, you played a lot of first team football, but I mean. Sometimes in football in England, it's about the breaks. And I mean, mm. Kit Simmons was very, very good for yeah. you, but then he leaves, and you have different managers come in, and, and they have different impressions. And is that sort of what happened to you in terms of maybe just slipping out of the picture there a bit? Because then you had to go on. You went to a couple of loan deals and so on. Hartlepool was at Mansfield. Yeah. That was just it. Just sort of went went against you a small bit. Um. Yeah. It was just. I wouldn't say it was. Well, Kit was really good to me, and then. Say a managerial change comes in, which happens happens everyone, and then you're sort of down the pecking order and wasn't really training with the first team. I was what, 22, 23 at this stage, and I wasn't training with the first team, so I had to go out alone. And um, obviously, the first one to Mansfield didn't work out, I didn't really play. The second one went to Hartlepool, and I was playing and got injured. And then that was sort of for me the writing on the wall. I only mm-hmm. had a year left in my contract, and the first team was doing really well at the stage at Fulham, so I wasn't going to get anywhere near it. So. I thought, yeah, SBA is probably to try and look to come home. Let's and let's let's talk Jake then before yeah. we let, let him to get a, a little bit of an input on his own career. Yeah, because we we can get back to your rover time, which has been very good so yeah. far. But what happened with you post that missing the penalty shootout <laughs> at under eleven? I've gone downhill since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I was playing a year above for two years with that Belvo team, and got to like under tour days, and everyone just starts getting physically bigger. So I wanted to drop back down and play at my own edge and. Dropped back down, I played for Malahide for a year in Crumlin and then I ended up going back to Belvo to play my own 95 year and then uh, signed for Bowes 19s from then. I went from 17s, DSL Premier 17s up to trained with UCD, first team, Bowes first team and obviously I sport Bowes as a young lad so... 
you have a soft spot for bows. I, I do know you're definitely a have a soft spot yeah. for bows. Yeah. So uh, Owen Harry was the manager. And he, he was already taking over then. And I went up to train with the first team. He just said, look, if you sign for the 19s, he said, you'll be the captain. And if you keep progressing, like I'll give you a chance to come into the first team. And I knew he would because there was players at the time there, like Luke Bourne and Dan Bourne, that were, had come from 19s into first team football. So I knew that if I took the opportunity, I'd get it at the end of it to go play for the first team. And done two years with the 19s, then Owen brought me to the first team. And from then, I done a season with him. He left, went to Sligo. And obviously, I'd broken in to the team that year. I scored on my debut in the League Cup, scored on my debut in the league. So I thought I was doing really well. And then obviously, like Sean said, a new manager comes in. And I've no regrets, like Keith Long come in. and he, uh, He's very fair, if nothing else, isn't he? Yeah, he's a great manager. But it was his first big job in the League of Ireland with Bowles. He's with long before yeah. that. And he had a job to do. So whereas home was blood and youngsters, in that fourth season, Keith brought in proven players and he wasn't giving you the chance, you know what I mean? So I'd say if I had been a season or two later at Bowes, I could have been lucky and getting into the team because if you look a year or two later, you look now, they don't have any money, so they are bringing players Definitely, through. Yeah. Who was your first team, your your goal in the league in your debuts against who? Sligo, away to Sligo. That must have been some feeling. Yeah, I was buzzing, yes. Yeah. Obviously, because Bowes is club close to me, hard to go down there and start on my debut and scored, but obviously I felt from then on I was doing really well. I wanted to push on the next season and it just when the new manager <coughs> came in, I felt like I had to prove myself again. So I mean, we're going to fast forward a small bit, Jake, but you've then established yourself at Drada and you've become a first team player at Drada and then... Under Pete Mann initially. Yeah, and you know you you had a season in the, in the Premier with Drada and then went down and whatever and you're trying to get back up last year. And you get to the playoffs last last year against Shells and it's it's all it's all going to plan. I mean, Drada are, are going through, I guess, and, and what happens? Uh, it was all going to plan, yeah. We were... 1-0 up at that stage, it would have been 1-all in the toy over two mm. legs. And, and you were pretty big, like, a lot of people wouldn't have expected you to do this because, you know, you were back against the yeah. wall, big underdogs. Yeah, but uh, I think we, we knew that game, we, we trained on the Sunday morning, the game was on a Monday night, and uh, we, we were going 3-5-2, and we knew in Tolga Park the bigger pitch would have suited us. Air style of football against Shelbourne, they were very direct, and obviously, you know, it Park is a toy pitch, so we knew going out to that game that that would suit us, so went 1-0 up after a couple of minutes, they got a man sent off, and as a midfielder, it's great when you get a man sent off, they get a man sent off because you get more time with the ball. So I was picking up the ball from deep, going forward with the ball, and then out of nowhere, I just went to pass the ball out wide, and bad tackle comes in late, and that's me done now. Mm. How bad was the tackle, or could you describe how your, your recollection of it? Uh, I don't even remember the tackle coming in. I just remember dribbling the ball through the midfield by someone going out left passing it, and then getting a bang and being lifted up in the air, and... I said, spoke to Tim after and I said I didn't even remember him getting a red card because I was in that much agony on the floor. Mm. Have you had anything remotely similar to this? Um, no, not uh, like a, a leg break or on touch wood, but yeah, I heard about the tackle and I heard it was shocking. Like I didn't see it now myself, but yeah. I heard it was unbelievable. Like, it's it was, what happened after this that I'm yeah, really intrigued. Yeah, I mean, it was just to say, I mean, it was a bad tackle by James English. Did own hearing Shabber manager used the quote cowardly afterwards to describe the tackle which was a, you know, it was a strong quote that was on the record but I mean I suppose you know he's not here to defend himself as such but it was a I think it was a bad challenge but then you you, yeah you, you then embarked on a, 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 what was a, I say an eye-opening experience after that yourself Jake yeah definitely I wouldn't like to go through that again wouldn't wish on my worst enemy so uh, when it happens it's like you, when you roll your ankle it's like that times 10 with pain 
and I went in the back and my physio came in after and he said, it might be just your ankle ligaments, think positive and he walked out of the room and the Shells club doctor said, no, that's a broken leg. Like so, roughly what time is this now? So this is like it happened in the second half of the game, is it? No, it happened in the, at the end of the first half. So, so say kick off half eight. Eight, half eight, yeah, half eight, roughly. So you you, ba- you break your leg at half eight. Yeah. So uh, got the ambulance. Obviously went to the Martyr Hospital straight in for an X-ray. Grand find out and sitting there till six o'clock in the morning. No answer. It's like the what, world. What, what were you there. doing then? Yeah. So what were you actually doing? You you got in there. We'll say roughly nine o'clock. Where are you waiting? What's the story? You've broken your leg. Go in for an x-ray and they say, right, doctor, be with you soon. Uh, sitting there till six in the morning. And I just said, like, Tim was texting me through the night and obviously he'd fell asleep. There was no one from the club onto me there going about their normal life. So I just said, look, I have to go home. So I went, to, went home, fell asleep for a while, got up, had a shower, went straight up the jaw and in the hospital up there, got looked after first class. So, and yeah, so hang doing. on. So, you, I mean, I'm trying to figure out... Are you you went for an X-ray, right? And are you sort of are you in a a boot, a cast? What 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 are you? Sitting there in a wheelchair. In a wheelchair. Yeah. And who are the people beside you? Even yeah. So you're you're sat. I want to know. Really? Yeah, it's just like a different world in there. Just all other patients coming in or whatever it might be. Is it drunken related injuries or everything? There's just people. You may as well have people living in there. Like that's why got to that stage. I mean, mother was with me, and I just said, "Look, I have to go." Wasn't staying there to put up with all that. Like, you're waiting six, seven hours to see a doctor. My name didn't get called, so I just said, look, I'll go. It's the wait as well. You don't know when you're actually going to get called. And if they said to you, listen, we can't see you till the morning, you better off go to Drada. Yeah, well, the fact that I'm in agony with a broken leg as well. Like, well, this is my, my thing. Like, what, what are you under? Are you taking painkillers? What do you actually have to... Yeah, I got an injection after the game. Right. And But by the, that stage, you're in the middle of the night, you're, it's wearing off, you know what I mean? So... Six o'clock, we just said, look, I have to go. And then the next morning, went up to Jota and they were first class with me. So really, you're talking about if you went into... Because did you go to the hospital after the game? Or was it during the game? During the game. Like so you're talking nine till six. You're talking, what, sort of eight hours, basically. Yeah. You were there. And you, and nine hours nearly. Nine hours. And you, and you got your mother sitting there with you. Yeah. Mm. In Limbo. Mrs. Highland. Yeah. yeah. So hang on, you had a shower the following day. I mean, surely this is slightly difficult. Oh, very difficult. But I knew that I had a broken leg, so it might have been the best shower I'd have for a while. Right. So yeah. uh, I went up to Jotter and then got an X-ray there. They had to X-ray themselves, and the club doctor came out and just said broken leg. And I've I've never had any experience of A and E, nothing like that. But I was astonished by this and talking to your assistant manager. Um, he came on our podcast subsequently. Kevin, yeah, Kevin, Kevin Darty. I just thought, uh, you know, I know the health service is an awful lot of money put into it, and we're it's we're we're very critical of it. But I was astonished by this. Yeah. Nine hours of broken leg mm. and not knowing when you were going to get called. To be waiting there nine hours, you're si- mm. you're probably sitting there in your kit, were you? Yeah. With a broken leg, it's, to me, is ridiculous. It's outrageous. It's extraordinary. I mean, and I, w- I would say, I mean, you you, you play for Drada, but was there anyone from the club around as such during this time? And obviously, Tim was Tim was in touch with you or whatever. Yeah, but there would have been people in contact me, and in fairness to Darren McKenna, the club liaison officer, he texted me at one stage and was like, just go, and we'll get you sorted in Drada. Like, I think he wanted me to go to Drada. But obviously, I've been up since 9 o'clock that morning, go to play a game. It run on empty, so I went home, went to sleep, and went up the next day. And I can't be thankful enough for the people in Drogheda because the club yeah. doctor they were first class with me. How did you travel to Drogheda? How did you travel from the matter to Drogheda? Ah, oh, got me far to give me a lift. Yeah. Couldn't drive myself, obviously. No, I, I, I would have thought yeah. I'd be driving. John, to be fair, no, I was just that would have been a miraculous sort of a, 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 a sort of a broken the car, yeah. broken leg, and your your old lad just gives you a lift forty it's, minutes it's up just the road. A, it's just a mad sort of story, really. You know, how was your recuperation mean? Yeah, it's going well now, but uh, like Sean said there about being injured in England, it's obviously tough because uh, 
it's 24 hours in a day and if you've got a broken leg there's nothing you can do you can't do any physical activity watch the racing watch the racing yeah caught up on that talking to you but uh, you have to have good people around you like so have my missus and my family around me and Tim as well was very good constantly in contact with me this season ended a couple of weeks later against Finn Harp so Tim could have easily turned around and said he's got a broken leg I don't want him and not been in contact with me but he was really good in contact with me every day and straight away he said I want to sign you back and mm. back for captain next year so that sort of put me at ease as well. And you're advertising their new uh, shirt as well. Uh, I saw there the other yesterday, was it? Yeah, Monday night we had a kit launch, yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us about that, actually, because the interest is often on a draw, that. Yeah, it is. The new owner in, and uh, it's very good, very ambitious. Launched the new kit. They, it's obviously the club's 100 years old this year. So the first year the club were in existence, they had a red kit, red and black. So they went back to red and black this year. And they've new promotion with Turkish Airlines, a lot of new sponsors on board, so it's all looking really good. Point it's, it's, it's mad, thanks. I've, I've off, I remember when I was a kid looking at that draw, the crest, I was like, it's so like Middle Eastern looking or something, but there is a link. Mm. It's Trabs on Spur, is it? Yeah, well, this was like a couple of years back. There was there was a friendly match even, and there there's there seems to be a strong a strong link, historical link that is there. But um, yeah, I mean, I just hope the draw is a club. I mean. They they've been cash trapped for the last couple of years. I mean, they need to get to the stadium. It's bloody obvious they need to get to the stadium. I mean, uh, like the two stadiums in 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 Loud like aren't fit for purpose, really. You know, in terms of of what they should be for the standard that they're at. Um, and yeah, I mean, Tim did unbelievably well last year. I think you know with the resources they have relative to maybe some of the other clubs that were challenging, and that's the struggle now. I mean, I'm, I'm sure draw have ambitions this year, but you must look at like what shells are able to bring in and. Even some, even Bray to a degree, some players and, and Longford they, as they well, need, like. they need, they do, they do need backing. I mean, money talks ultimately. As much as you know, I mean, in fairness, UCD were exceptional last year, but though they almost have a full time structure that the players are together every yeah. day. So, I mean, do you feel a bit of optimism gro- growing around the club in the, in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, Jake? definitely. The place is full of positivity, and especially with Tim, as of now you'd had him on and. He's a really ambitious manager. Like he just he doesn't want to sit in the first division and just rot away. You know what I mean? He has ambitions mm. and obviously you done the report in the off season about Shells. He was their number one priority and there's a reason that he turned him down. He didn't turn yeah. him down because he just wants to plot along at Trotter. He has got ambitions. Mm. And obviously speaking to us privately as a team and I think we've got a better squad this year. So obviously with the investment Shells and Bray have put in the off season, it's gonna be tough, but think we'd be there thereabouts again so if how are you physically now sorry yourself in terms of your own yeah i started uh, back running on saturday so uh it's been five months since the injury since that night so uh looking for the next four or five weeks hopefully be able to get back involved on the pitch not bad. Were, you, were you were you given like six months when you were were you given a, a sort of a time they said when you started? like within six months you should be able to back run so right i've completed that now already so to starting to see light at the end of the tunnel it's just I good that's the longest off season. You yeah, know, yeah. Haven't missed the game. <laughs> well, gonna, that's the only positive. <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's league to break, break your, your leg in around yeah. November. Yeah. yeah but I'm going to speculate. So if you won the prize from Drogheda to if you, you you win this prize from Turkish Airlines, fly anywhere in the world, Melbourne Cup maybe. Me you, hang on, you have to explain yeah. this prize, Sean. <laughs> so you see, all fair discussions aren't available to the I, podcast. I, I, I went I went missing <laughs> there, and I couldn't remember if we'd mentioned it or no, not. No, no. So there is there is a prize from this new Drogheda United Association with Turkish Airlines. Yeah, they're doing it. 
uh, prize, bring a drug home. So you buy the new home kit, you get entered into a raffle to win two business class tickets to uh, anywhere in the world by Turkish Airlines. And the thing is, bring uh, someone home to watch a game. Yeah, so hang yeah. on, I mean, is it optional for this person to actually come to draw? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> go to see Sean and Tala, which would be preferable. So they, they could go, they they could go somewhere again. else. I mean, like, I'm just saying. Sean, option. I've tipped you to win the league. What, you know, this, is, you, gonna yeah. be a, this is going to be an interesting <laughs> season for Rovers, yeah. Dan um, reckons Dundalk are home and hose. I, I think it might be a bit, bit closer this year. And it was a good start. Yeah, it was a good start. Obviously, it's it's only one game, isn't it? And I think last year, Dundalk drew, what, three or four games? And then they went on and won it by a good few points. But yeah. for me, I, I probably wouldn't get carried away. I'd sort of look at it after the first round of fixtures and then see where we're at. And then, yeah, we could have a right go from there if we're in there and thereabouts. Just what was the, what was, sorry, what was the game like on Friday? Because, we, you know, uh, RT, they're only showing fairly limited highlights this season of, of those games. Didn't see a lot. Basically saw a goldmouth incident. But was it touch and go or um, as a late winner, obviously? Yeah, it was late winner. Um, for me, overall, I thought we were probably the better. So I did a couple of chances. Um, I can add here too. We actually hit the post and Alan Manis made Lopez a good Lopez had a good effort as well. Yeah, yeah. from just inside the <laughs> round half. <laughs> um, yeah, but I thought overall we probably were the better team and we probably should have scored a couple of goals. But I was saying to Jake earlier, when it goes that late, it's just an unbelievable feeling. To I, get I thought it was just to, to get a good start. But I was talking to my mate before the season about where these players fit in at Rovers. So where do you and Trevor Clark fit in for one thing? Where does Brandon Kavanagh, Dylan Watts, Jack Byrne, uh, Sam Bone, um, McAniff, McAniff um, Greg Bulger, Greg Bulger. Uh, <laughs> then you've obviously the strikers, and I, I like Dan, Car- particularly like Dan Carr's new afro. He just yeah. looks a different player with that hair. Like <laughs> it's like a new uh, signing, isn't it? It's like a new signing. But uh, you've obviously got the, the the Austrian guy who came in, who yeah. may or may not have got the goal. But where do these players fit in, and um, how do you keep Trevor Clark out of the team because he's not bad either? Yeah, he's, he's all right, isn't he, Trevor? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's not for me. That's for the manager. That's what he gets paid. You have for, your place at the moment, anyway. Um, yeah, well, at the minute, yeah. So yeah. now look, Trevor can play left back. I can play left back. He can play on the wing. You can, can both right play wing. on the wing. Yeah, yeah. So, look, that's for the manager to decide. It's not for me to decide. But I'm just happy to be playing. I'll give you a sort of a, a safe answer there. How, how much Ooh. do you enjoy the? <laughs> the he's, he's not. Listen, come on. He's you know he's played Fulham first team. Probably got media <laughs> trained at some stage. He's like he, he, he knows what he's at. He doesn't need but chainsaw. The the, uh, the day-to-day environment at Rovers Roadstone. Can I just ask you, as someone who's been away and played in England, you know at at good clubs and mm. maybe different levels of clubs, but how do you enjoy the sort of the the Rovers atmosphere? Just living at home, yeah. But as a full time footballer at home, um, for me it's probably one of the most uh, enjoyable times I've had in my career. Um, just being home, obviously we're full time. We're in the morning, so um, yeah, I've I've loved it every every minute since I've been home and being around my family and yeah, I have a, have a little boy myself, so being around him every day is how old is he? He's four, just turned four. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You were a kid early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> strike rate was great. Was. <laughs> what happened since? <laughs> I haven't went down that route yet. But no, um, yeah, being around him, and I think that's just made me enjoy my football a bit more as well. Of Like I said, it's probably the most enjoyable time I've actually had in football. Yeah, because I mean, it's... When you were away in England, what impression did you have of the league at home? I know you obviously probably had friends and you know ex or teammates and other people that would have been involved, but I, I still talk to lads in England who aren't sure about coming home because there's always that stigma that comes with yeah. it. I mean, did you have a bit of that with you that I want to I want to stay in England or what um, way did you manage it? Yeah, you always have a little bit. I'd be lying if I said to you and said, no, I didn't. I didn't want to stay. Yeah, I did. I would like to. 
I would have probably liked to stay over there, but I was speaking to um, a couple of lads I was at Fulham with, Dan O'Reilly. He was away with me, and I spoke to him quite a bit about he came home, and I was just asking him how have you found it and stuff like that, but he spoke really highly about it, and then there was just a time and a point where I said, right, yeah. No, nothing's happening here, so I I need to come home. You had to you had to write off some money to come home as well. I mean, Stephen Bradley yeah. spoke about that. You were on a reasonably good deal, so you'd clearly reached a point where you just you needed to get out of what yeah. you were in at that stage. Yeah, it was n- nearly a breaking point. I was I was over there on my own, and I was training with say the twenty ones who are they're not even twenty one. That probably eighteen, nineteen, and I'm twenty two, twenty three. I feel feel a lot older than them. And I'm going home. Um, by myself and have nothing to do, and I just thought I need I need to get away from this. Like it's it's bad for your mental health rather than action, than than playing football. So I just decided to come home and hopefully get a bit of game time, which which happened last yeah. year. So I mean, who do you speak to in those afternoons, those days when you get home? <laughs> I, I'm sort of a <clears throat> weird one when I when I'm actually feeling bad. I don't feel I don't talk to anyone. I try and just... Well, that's not that weird. That's pretty normal, actually. Yeah. Even though it shouldn't be. Yeah, okay. although it shouldn't be. I was I was just sort of blanking people. I'd have phone calls every, say, 10 minutes from my mum, whoever, my, my girlfriend, and I was at home. I'd rather watch Jeremy Coyle than actually talk that, to them on the that phone. That is bad, though. That, that's how that bad it got. Bad. Yeah. yeah. So. And you have a baby boy as well. Yeah. Uh, he was probably the only one that I wanted to talk to, to mm. be honest. And like. he couldn't answer back. No, yeah. he was. <laughs> but around the club, like, do people, do people notice that you're in this zone? You know? um, I don't know. You sort of put up a front when you go in. You can't, you're in a change room with, what, 20 lads. You can't go in and be down. And can you tell 20 lads, like, I don't feel great mentally here? Sort of, I don't know, it's that environment. It's more it's, macho it's, than that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, you probably have to put up a front and say, oh, I feel great and I'm playing great, I look great, but at the end of the day, I wasn't. And if you're playing with lads, if you're basically relegated to playing with the under-21s, you're kind of out of sight, out of mind to people. Yeah, so. exactly, yeah. I wasn't, like I said earlier on, I wasn't even training with the fourth team, so you're on a completely different schedule. You're probably, they're, they're off days, you're in, and you're off days, they're in, so you probably see them oh, a couple of times a week, if, if even that. Did things lift when you came to Ireland? Yeah, uh, 100%. As soon as I got in and trained with Rovers and started playing, like like I said, it's probably the most enjoyable time I've had in football, being home around everyone. And D- does it not kind of reinforce us the need for us to keep young cl- players at home if we can and educate them here? Because I, I just think that scenario you paint there is just so... Um, bleak. It's bleak, but it's also like you can easily see how it happens because you go from a high to like playing playing at the first playing for the first team of Fulham and then playing with kids and yeah. it's a, that's a massive blow. Oh, like we we don't see this in it's, it's like if we just lost our job and basically had no job and we're you know you're you're thriving as a kid and all of a sudden nobody wants to know you really. Mm. Like. It's like yeah, like you said, uh, if you really young you hit your in your job you hit like a really high point mm. and then you you feel like you're doing well and then. I don't know, a few months down the line, you, you get let go from your job. Where do you go from there? You have to start over again, don't you? So, What, what, what it seems to me, like in England, it seems that you, you, people, lads break in, but there's always people coming behind and, yeah. and coming through. So if you have one setback, like you have to admire someone like Matt Doherty, who's yeah. managed to just, he's probably had his low moments, but he stuck it out. But yeah. it seems like one bad season can can kill you a yeah, bit in terms of where you're at. Yeah, it can... It can finish it off really as as your career over there. There's always somebody. That's what they used to say to us. There's always somebody younger and better than you. So, 
Like up. Jake back in the day. It's mad though that, you know, at least you've come home now and you're back in a professional environment. And I've always said this, it's great to live at home. You know, yeah. if I was offered double the money I'm on to live in England, I'd be very wary of doing it, genuinely. Because yeah. I like living in Dublin, I like living in Ireland, I like being around my family. Yeah, I found that a, a big part of it as well, being around my family. And like last year I was able to go to... I don't know. Shelburne Park? Yeah, Shelburne <laughs> Park and lose a few quid, yeah. <laughs> Your family's in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it, only around the corner. But yeah. say, I was able to go over to my granddad's and have a cup of, cup of tea with him. Shouldn't be underestimated. Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little things like that that you don't miss that I probably didn't do for five or six years. I missed you, out You were on. living in London. It's not like you were living in a, in a some yeah. grim northern town or whatever, like, yeah, like, like Drogheda or something. <laughs> 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 I was in Hartlepool for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Let's Everyone. not talk about that. <laughs> Even Brian Clough didn't like Hartlepool, <laughs> I think he said it was good. But um, how did you enjoy actually playing in Europe last season as well, just to be back and playing like at a good level in Fur Rovers? Um, yeah, that was, travelling over there, was, you get some buzz off that, you know, travelling over there and training the night before in the stadium. We got we got lucky with the stadium we played in. It was obviously the Swedish national team stadium. Mm. Should have so, gone through. Yeah, we should have gone through. We obviously beat them in the 90 minutes and then, yeah, they came out and scored early doors and extra time and then backs up against the wall we needed to score but it didn't happen but yeah it was it was good John we should move on to the first division because it is the first division does kick off on Friday so yeah, we I'm have to be uh, in Terryland for the visit of the champions elect you still got a Terryland rather than Eamon DC Park yeah. you're sort of old school Eamon like DC's a legend but yeah that was that was how I used to a, just just you're very, reclaiming the dike very 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 briefly do you want Rovers to win like because you're a Bose fan Sean's your mate <laughs> or are you hoping they lose every week uh, definitely not against Bowles. <laughs> but in, in general, you don't mind too much. I want to see Sean do well, and obviously he's doing well since he came out from England. Sean play well, and they lose the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man of the match in a three-two defeat. That'll be uh, Dan, first out. division. First division. So I mean, we there's a lot to talk about uh, around the first division season. But last week at the launch, I did speak to Tommy Barrett because Limerick have come down, have dropped down along with Bray, and um, bit of chat about you know changes in Limerick in the off season. Um, Maybe there might be a bit of a change in terms of investment, or that's a bit unclear. Uh, but I spoke to Tommy Broadley about dropping down and how they adjusted to what was probably a really difficult relegation year that they had last year. How challenging was last year for you? Because it was, there, was, there was stuff going on, which, aside from the challenge of being a young manager managing a team in, in, the, in the Premier Division of the League of Ireland, you, there was other things going on in the background as such. I mean, how was that for you as a... Yeah, look, it was, a difficult, it was a difficult year, it was a difficult season for everyone. When you get relegated, it's a different year, but look, I don't want to use excuses, everyone knows what happened. Um, I'm not really into excuses, you know, I think you're going nowhere, I suppose I can only look at myself and what I could have done better. There's a few things, you know, I could have done better probably myself. Um, and as players, you know, we could have done better as a group. So, at the end of the day, we have 11 players on the pitch, we had a chance to stay in the Premier League. Harps were better than us. Um, I thought we were better than them in the first leg. We, we lost on a penalty. In the second leg, in fairness, they were better than us. You know? um, we lost eight players in the mid-season. I thought we were just coming right, to be fair. I think we have beaten Waterford. We drew drawn the balls. I think we should have beat balls on the day. We are playing a good brand of football. We lost those six, seven, eight players. No, that is an excuse. I'm mm. making it. You know, and that was a big hit to us. But we had to lose them because we couldn't afford to keep them financially. So the survival of the club was more important. But we still had a chance to stay in the Premier League and ultimately we failed them. How difficult is the day or two after that playoff defeat? I mean, because you know players are going to leave. You may not have known your own situation, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, how do you... How do you get through that period as such? Yeah, look, it's gut wrenching, you know. You, you, but you have to, I suppose. You look, 
at the end of the day, it's like I'm, I, I, I don't say this lightly, but it's football, it's entertainment, you know. Uh, you've got to bounce back, you have this year now to try bounce back. But in saying that, are we ready to go back into the Premier League? Uh, I think we need to get our house in order, I think we need to you know, build from within. Uh, I said it already in the past and locally, I kind of got a bit sorry for it. We haven't really produced players in Limerick uh, around the league or even to go and play in England in the last 20, 30, 40 mm. years. You know, we hadn't had a senior international in 40 years maybe. So you know, it's only the last few years since the underage leagues came in that we have had players playing around the league, like someone in Cochrane now and, and um, you know, there's, there's other lads like, <coughs> excuse me, playing around the league. Um, from Limerick, Joel Cushay and up and overs. But before that, you know, like I can just think of Bobby Ryan, you know, yeah, in the last 20, yeah. 30 years. So, and I know uh, Barry Ryan's from our region in Ennis as well. He would have played around the league. But we, we're, we're a good junior soccer city, but we haven't developed players in senior level. So we're bringing lads in then, and that's part of the cost. We have to bring better players in to stay in the league. And the only time we kind of got out of the division is when we had real big budgets, you know, and yeah. we brought in players. So we have to develop our own. And for me, this year is about even if more money comes in, it's about developing our own players in the region, and we have them. You know, it's just having a bit of faith in them. You know, they're young at the moment, and uh, and going that way. I think that's the way to go, Daniel. You, know? you, you did bring in quite a few of those players towards the end of last season. You've sort of managed to keep hold of a couple of them that were the subject of a bit of interest. I mean, was that was that a challenge to, to keep hold of them? Was there? You know, with Will Fitzgerald, there was certainly talk that the clubs were, were having a look. Yeah, Will and Carroll, obviously Stephen Kenny brought him into the 21s there recently as well, and you know, two good young lads, but they're in college uh, in Limerick, and you know, the education is important to them as well, uh, and that's the way we have to look at it, you know, that they're in college and they want to finish after you know, their degrees. I firmly believe that the players need to stay in the league now, you know, I think that's that's proven, you know, with, with lads that didn't even go across the water now or, or even to the continent that that if you stay in the league for a few years you're better off. You're a more round player and you go straight into the first team elsewhere. So I think the boys know that, you know, I kinda of tied them up early, I tied Carroll yeah. up early this year and um, you know, they're they're playing for the jersey, they're playing, they're, they're not obviously on big money. Um, and it is tough for them to make that decision, but I think to sit down with the families, we try to create the best environment as we can. They'll, they'll know they'll play, and you know, I think we play a good brand of football too, to be fair. Um, so I think they're learning all the time, and I think if they rip it up this year, it'll be better for them than sitting on a bench with someone else. I think if you're just finally, I think if you were to step back from outside and maybe look at the last 10 years, I'll say Limerick as a club, and it's been a, a sort of a crazy time because you've had lows and almost the highs of the markets field being crammed with like sort of 5,000 people for a playoff first leg and that late run to avoid relegation and there seemed to be a fear maybe last year that, that any support or momentum built up was maybe just slipping away a small bit so do you hope like, what's the next five years is it about sort of because in, in one way it shows that there's great potential there and that this support exists but then on the flip side they haven't been kept around consistently for whatever reason. Yeah, it's for me, it's for building that base. You know, I mightn't be the man that's, you know, bringing us to, to Europe or even in, back into the Premier League or even consistent in the Premier League. But as a Limerick man, I think we have to get it right. You can't keep doing the same thing, you know, over and over again and and getting the same results. You know, I think that's mm. the definition of madness, really, isn't it? You know, you're up and down. When, when we have money, we're up and down. You know, so... 
we need to develop our own, we need to develop a proper infrastructure, we need to develop community programs, which we've done quite well, but we have to get more in the school, we have to create that identity. I think people speak about identity and stuff a lot, a lot but do we actually put enough work into it, you know? Um, and we have to get the off-field structure right, we have to get the the environment around the Marcus Field, right? We have to get the, the fans more positive, and that positive energy is massive as well. You know, it, like you can't underestimate that kind of stuff. And I think that has to, that goodwill has to be there first and foremost. And like you know, that hasn't been there. You know, it's been there. Okay, we pack him in, we create the boost, we create the shift. But you can't just aim for, you know, um, aim for glory straight away on the pitch. I think the foundations have to be put in place. And we're going to try to do that, you know. And hopefully, we can get that done. But for the next five years, that's it for me. It's, it's, it's developing players. And to be fair, we've had success in developing players in regard to, you know, we saw Paddy Connor yeah. to England, we saw Barry Carter to England, you know, we've done that in the underage system. Um, and, and I'd say we're developing them as players as such, but I suppose they're coming through our system. Again, for me, that's a product of playing the best against the best. It's not down to super brilliant coaching facilities, anything like that. It's, it's the best against the best. I think we're making too much about coaches and managers these days personally I think it's at the end of the day it's about the players you know and how good they are and and if you want if they want to make it they make it themselves you know but we have to create that proper environment for them and I think that's what that's what we have to get right just on that then I, I, I recall looking at this last season in terms of the first division being the backwater that it is but Limerick are one of those powerhouse names like Limerick Drogheda Galway Shelburne Longford Bray um, they're fairly big names to be in, in like in a, what is really compared to first division I guess the problem is that nobody cares really about it um, beyond the clubs well yeah I mean they, they care towards the end of the season and um, I, I think like the, the four the four teams within the playoff gives it a bit more of a oh uh, huge you know, huge it, it has the potential to be exciting and I think last season the playoffs and Jake was involved in them last year um, briefly there was, there was yeah there was a bit of a, a, a buzz around them um, I don't know what we do about the first division generally it needs more publicity it needs it, more it needs more coverage of its games I know it you disagree with me on this but I, I, it's not that I disagree with you I just I, I think that like the that you need to showcase the best things of it. And I think, but I mean, you can say that about Premier Division grounds too, but if you want to do it, you want to do it at a certain standard. I don't think that people are, you know, to showcase the best of it. You talk about camera angles, everything that works, rather than just showing, you know, goals off a sort of a ground level camera in Wexford or something. I don't think that showcases it well at all, you know. So I don't know how you how you address it. I mean, I know Limerick a couple of years back, and we mentioned Limerick, you know, they were going very well. They pretty much put all their games on Facebook, from what I recall. They actually streamed it. And I think First Division Club should explore that type of thing because there's no TV rights deal. There's nothing that holds them holds them back, or there shouldn't be anything that holds them back in that regard. So maybe they need to be more like some of the, some of the biggest of grounds in the, some of the biggest grounds in the country, Tolka Park, uh, Terryland Park. No, it's true. Uh, are in the first division. Like, and sometimes you have is in good nick. You'll have, you'll have, Limerick's you'll have, not bad at all. You'll have you know you'll have division four sort of you know, lower level. Hur- is in a lovely no, ground. you'll have lower level sort of hurling games and stuff. You know, and, and non hurling kind of, and and their games might get more coverage. And you might still have you could have fifteen hundred at a shells big game at, at a certain stage of the season or draw. Night will be open for a big, big crowd. Like we're talking so no, three thousand on Friday now. I think there's I, an I, argument for. I, it. I just think we we can't promote the game. We don't even know what the players are like because we don't see them. So you have to go to a game, yeah, which yeah. I don't think is satisfactory. But I don't know, Jake. You must feel that frustration as well because you know you know these players are good. Yeah, definitely. But I think uh, this year, maybe with the investment of Shells and Bray, that it is getting a bit more coverage. Mm. And I think it, the onus has to be on clubs as well. I don't know what, what the situation is. The FAO, if they're allowed, but 
after the game to put the highlights up straight they, away. They like, are. They in are the absolutely. first division, yeah. I don't think there's any issues. Yeah, with if yeah. Clubs, yeah. clubs have their YouTube channel and they put it out there and the more work they do on social media to get more people at the games. Like, we're hoping to get a 1,000 people at the game on Friday. Mm. Like you said, at Terryland Park, it's going to be two, 3,000. The attendances and the Premier Division were up last, last mm. or first week last season. So, Hopefully this year you can get off the yeah, good I just remembered, you, you beat Rovers in the Cup last season as well. What about that, Sean? Yeah, you, you, got some evidence <laughs> you got some evidence <laughs> of the first division. Were you playing that night? Yeah, I played. Yeah, um, yeah they, were, they were really good that night. and It was sort of my first experience to the first division. And it was sort of an eye-opener. Mm. I wouldn't say like we, we uh, held them... Um, we went down there thinking we should win. But mm. You're obviously expecting yeah, to win. Yeah, you're expecting to win, yeah. but when you go down and... To be fair to them, they played some really, really good stuff and they probably had more chances than us and they probably could have beat us by two, two, two or more. Longford beats Sligo. Um, Watford had, were very hard to beat you then. Yeah. UCD put up a very UCD good show in, in Oriel. Um, well, more to the point, Finn Harps went up to their playoffs as well and that, yeah. that, that, that probably pays a compliment. The playoff, if the playoff winner comes from the second and the first or you know the team in the first, that, 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 that's, that's probably a sign of health and... And certainly, we've seen in recent years. I mean, Finn Harps have, have done that a couple of times against Limerick. You know, coming it, it, from the first from your from your yeah. from your experience, Dan, is it a straightforward Shelburne win the league? I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not hundred percent convinced. I mean, they've signed some very good players. I mean, you know, Kieran Kilduff, Luke Byrne, obviously was at Rovers last year. Uh, you consider the, the guys who were at Bowes. I mean, there's a there's a Conan whole Byrne. there's a whole Conan Byrne, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you look at their squads, you think now the Bray squad still has been Paul Keegan who was in with us last week. You know, Dylan Midlade, Barnett who was at Waterford last year. You know, they, I mean, sometimes, like, if you have a really good 11, you know, a really strong group, I mean, Shells have a squad to manage, but a team could get on a run and then you never know. I mean, draw have Thomas Byrne. Thomas Byrne, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the character to bring back into the group, Jake. Yeah, there's no way, uh, no hiding that he's a madman. An absolute <laughs> madman. But, uh, I think his ability on the pitch speaks for itself. Like, yeah. He's now yourself, he's uh, an unbelievable talent. And we're just hoping that. This year, like myself being captain and Tim and Kev, the managers can kind of uh, keep hold on him. And how do you as a captain? How do you how do you talk to Thomas? That's a tough one. I'll have to find that out when I get back playing. <laughs> but uh, he's off the pitch. He's a quiet young fella. He's really nice. He's quiet, but when he gets on the pitch, he's just an absolute madman. But we're just hoping that he can do his talking on the pitch. And it is tough. I heard Tim's interview last week. He said he, he's probably one of the most fell players in the league because he is so good and. He's such low centre of gravity that he just glides by people. And, and he's also probably an easy target for a bit of the 100%. old sledging or whatever. You know? I think you'd be, if you were in an opposition dressing room, you'd, you'd probably know that he, yeah. he has that, that fuse. Well, he needs the referees to kind of manage that then. And just say, yeah, well, definitely. But what I'd say to him as well, it's a, it should be a compliment to his game that he's the number one target. They're all going out to kick him. So we just want to try to get the best out of him this year. And he could be air key to winning the league. Who mm. else would look at? Like Adam Wicks is a good sign as well. Yeah, right? Wicks is brilliant yeah. there. He was with us obviously when we got promoted under Pete. So we've got a... I think we've got a stronger squad this year than last year. We have a young lad in from Pats, Luke McNally. And obviously you see him with Kieran Kelly last year coming from Pats. He's and gone back to Pats now. Gone back he? to Pats full yeah. time. So we're hoping to get uh, the same story. Yeah, again. I mean, I, I Longford are going to be interesting. I mean, I think Longford have signed Sean Brennan on loan, who's an ex, an ex Belvo lad yeah, from Southampton. Southampton who's, who's yeah, only I, I t- who, I mean... There was a lot of talk about Sean Brennan a couple of years back, and it's a slightly surprising, but I mean, you never know, it just might not settle or whatever it might mm. be. Um 
you know, so Longford are going to be pre-season against Cork and then Dalk they had good results as much as pre-season is pre-season you can, you can read too much into it sometimes as, um, much, as, as much as it's social media and Athlone might even be better yeah, you well know they, they, in fairness Athlone are a problem for the first division last year in terms of absolutely. like publicity and promoting it they've put and in their I, you know, they've um, you know they, was there was, there was lads playing for Athlone last year with all due respect who weren't like second tier players in terms of you know, to be better players at, at junior I, level I, in Ireland I and so on. You know, and that doesn't yeah. that doesn't help the image of the first division. Whether you need, you need to believe not then. They beat Dundalk and Dundalk wouldn't have had a bad team out. They no, beat Dundalk. No. So I'm it, just it, saying it's, though, it's you need to believe that it's the second highest level of football yeah, in Ireland. Abso- and and treat it accordingly. But I would implore any first division clubs listening in to promote the players, promote the goals in social media. Social media is increasingly where it's at. We do have a chance to promote it because I think it's a good standard and I think there are a lot of young players there who need promotion. Um, Shells will probably win the league but there are a lot of players or a lot of teams that will think we can at least finish in the top four. Definitely, you know? yeah. I think uh, you look at the year Limerick went up, we were playing, we went up for the playoffs that year with Trotter and Limerick did run away with it but the year before, the year after that Waterford went up I think by four points you see they only won it last year by three points I know they kind of tailed off towards the end of the season but we're hoping that if we can get a good start and worry about ourselves we don't need to worry about shells if we can get a good start and get a good run of games we might have a chance of winning it I mean I think you look at I mean, like you Danny Furling at Wexford you've got say Ian Turner at Cove I think like you know every club seems to have I mean Cavan Teeley have actually quite a young squad actually but they they still have Kieran Marty Waters, Waters like right. you know so it's going to be a lot more competitive. This I think year. I think it has the potential. I don't think you can have a club at the bottom like you did last year. Athlone have probably been very ba- damaging to the first division in the last couple of years. That's not bullshit when it comes to that. You but, need to get but to more games yourself. Doesn't happen this year. Well, I I, I went to that long game last year, which wouldn't <laughs> oh, have yeah. been, which wouldn't have been a great. I don't uh, think you went for the game though. Well, did you? no, I went to see what the club was up. Did to, a great but piece but on we'll it. See. Um, we'll but see. we have week one. The fixtures in that in just as while we're on the first division, Athlone versus Wexford, Cavan Teeley against Bray. Which is kind of a like a South Dublin sort of North Wicklow Dar- derby. derby or something the like Dar- that. The yeah. Derby, uh, Drogheda United versus Cove Ramblers, who we didn't really mention. Stephen Henderson's been very busy on social media promoting the First Vision. Galway United v Shelburne. Um, just to mention the reclaim the dike, which is a lovely idea from Bernie O'Connell to um, reclaim the dike road. Obviously, is what that's implying. But it it, it means that back in the day, everyone used to walk down the dike road before. Um, I suppose there were many people driving around Galway and walk down and see Galway Rovers or Galway Knights playing Thailand Park. And that you could pick up a stag party. You get confused stag party if oh, you actually just march. You could pick up anything in Galway. He was on about the Wild West in the, in the hospital. <laughs> Wait till you go out and go in a Friday night. And then Limerick <laughs> against Longford Town, um, which is obviously a very interesting game. We spoke to Tommy Barrett. Um, but Dan, getting back to the Premier Division. This, double round. This is an intriguing, we have a double round, but the game's on Friday. It just, I think it, it really brings it along lovely from, from yeah. week one. Um, yeah. With Cork City, we'll, Waterford. We'll fly straight up. Cork, Waterford. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> I just get your input on briefly on that. Waterford, we didn't really know where they'd be this season. What should make them Friday night? Um... Yeah, I didn't really know what to make of them either from last year. They were good. I think um, we obviously Pats have strengthened. I think they, in my opinion, they might probably struggle to get into the top four again this Watford. year. Yeah, yeah, it's a very competitive league. Um, yeah. I I kind of fancy Cork to, I kind of fancy Cork to win this because they need to. But I mean, Alan Reynolds against John Caulfield. There's a lot of bad blood there, Dan. Yeah, no, no. It, it should be a spicy affair. We got Sligo, we got Sligo. Are we doing predictions anymore? No, I, I, we can fly through them, John. But I mean, yeah. we're trying to we're trying to start off with a big spiel about making this a shorter show, and then you wanted to analyze every game in depth, and we're going to be Bre- no, ninety not, minutes. Not again. at all, right? I think so I much tension between. Oh. It's only week two. I know. <laughs> Home yeah. win, Cork. It's like a married couple. Yeah. 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 
Well, how's that going? Homewind Cork. I go Homewind. Homewind, yeah. Sligo, St. Patrick's. Liam Bucko. Looking for a big, big crowd in Sligo. Mikey Drennan, Reese McKay, but I think I'm going to be at that game myself. So that should be should be a good occasion. Away win. Yeah, maybe a draw. UCD against Bowes. Hope to get a big crowd for that one. Probably a big load of away fans, really. UCD need to do a lot more at getting people to their games. Yeah. Might but I, I went to UCD for five years. It's it's, yeah. a, it's a struggle. Like that is should yeah, be it's a main struggle. Place. But but, but we don't have a culture in Ireland of supporting university sport. Like just go along to watch a League of Ireland game. I know. Do you know it's, it, it's it, and a very good surface. Yeah, I just it doesn't have the the county they don't or the do city or the area pull. in any event. Um, yeah. Draw. Maybe yeah, uh, maybe a draw on that one as well. Harps and Dock. Dundalk have a good record up there. I mean, they sort of have to win this game. Last time Dundalk played, it was like a silage uh, grass kind of... Remember the, the, the pitch in the live game? It was about six inches tall. Remember that? Mm. About two three, two, three seasons ago? Vaguely. Vaguely. Oh, it looked absolutely horrendous on TV. It was played on a Saturday well, night. They're, they're going to get that new stadium done eventually. There was another story yeah. last week about the Finn Harp Stadium. It could happen. It could happen before we're all dead. It could actually happen, <laughs> the Finn Harp Stadium. I don't think I'm not this a bit more is optimistic a, than it might I happen. I don't think uh, this is a, a certainty for Dundalk, um, but I'll tentative one goal away win. Yeah, the, the injuries are a problem. You have to remember Jamie McGrath's coming back. He's been mm. forgotten a small bit yeah, in terms yeah, of Benson and McElhenney. They've got Murray and they've got McGrath to come back in and who knows, they'll probably sign someone else this week. Uh, and then Shamrock Rovers Derry. The game of the weekend. Um, is it? Yeah, pr- probably. It has the potential. I think Sligo Pats is in there and Cork Waterford. I think actually there's three, there's three contenders it's for that. It's my lock but, uh, of the week. Rovers to Shamrock beat. Shamrock Rovers to beat Derry, Derry yeah. yeah. I, I think Derry will probably be a bit flattered by... Uh, the win against UCD, uh, I'm not convinced about them at the back. I really like the local Rovers this season. Home win. There you go. No pressure, Sean. Yeah, and, I'm and, not involved in that. And then on Monday, we have the Derby. We have Bowes Rovers on Monday. Sold out already, I think. It is. It's sold out a while back. I mean, I mean, we are time is tight, but the Derby experience, it probably wasn't happy in terms of results, but as an event, how much did you enjoy it as a newcomer to the league last yeah, year? Like you said, results-wise, uh, trying to forget that, but as an atmosphere, it's unbelievable to play and the, the fans really make it. It's probably one of the best atmospheres I've played in it's really really good mm, it's just a box to tick now to have that big win in it right <laughs> yeah just get that get that off me back and then I'll be happy if if we get a three points against them Jake won't be happy though obviously if you have three points <laughs> that, to <laughs> be clear <laughs> he won't this be, be a game now you'd like to tag along to yeah 100% but uh, sold out sold out I'm back training so we won't be able to make it this one and also Derry City against Watford <laughs> How they how they put games like this on a Monday night? Derry City v Watford, Dundalk v UCD, Pats v Finn Harps. And Sligo Rovers Cork. Cork. Um, so so we'll, we will review both rounds of them next week and maybe the first division as well, John. We will. Uh, and uh, before we go, where are you Friday night, Dan? Uh, Sligo, as I just said there. A few Sorry. Ago, John. <laughs> I, I'm going to be in Terryland. Um, but, you told uh, us that already as well. But thanks yeah. for All that. right, Dan. Yeah. All right, chill out, man. Yeah. yeah. Thanks very much for coming in, lads. Great chat. Thank um, you. Yeah, great, great time. And uh, enjoy the games Friday night. But there are limits to your life.